This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the four Forensic Files on your radio dial. My name is Scott, and have we got a great show for you tonight? No, we don't. Damn it. The phone is ringing again. It's the request line. (sighs) All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA, East of the Rockies. Hey, breather, what's going on, man? You can't understand why David Lee Roth would publicly trash Wolfgang Van Halen? Yeah, I get it, man. It's a bummer when your rock and roll heroes behave like petulant, entitled, out-of-touch asshats. What do you mean it's not like Wolfgang did something really out of bounds and objectionable, like recording an overrated and amateur rock and roll podcast? Listen, you called the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on? I said. (laughs) Dirty Laundry by Don Henley? You got it. All right, buckle up, gang. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be Dirty Laundry by classic rock radio royalty, Don Henley. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. What's up, music nerds? Are you tired of wading through a sea of mediocre music, desperately seeking to find a glimmer of greatness? You're in luck. My name is Mark, and I am the host of the podcast, Songs That Don't Suck. Each week, I scour the depths of new music playlists to unearth hidden gems that defy the trends and deliver pure sonic bliss. No matter the genre, if it doesn't suck, it's on my radar. So find us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today. And as always, keep searching for and listening to Songs That Don't Suck. Breaking news! What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. All right, gang, we've got our intrepid rock and roll beat reporter on the line, Rico Gnu, with no, the Good News. Rico, how are you? I'm hanging in there, man. How's it going? Not too shabby, dude. Hey, uh, so tonight's news segment is kind of going to be... Sorry, I was cracking a nice cold lime-flavored LaCroix. Can't wait to dig into that. Um, 
tonight's news is going to be kind of like potluck dinner. I'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff out there and we'll see what sticks and uh, we'll see how this goes. But first, more Van Halen news. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Scott. I mean, I just when you think that it's been long enough and they could just go right off into the sunset well you know wolfie is doing his own thing right and i think he's trying to do his own thing but the other guys like alex is just riding off into the sunset like he is off the fucking radar and he is just doing exactly what he ought to be doing but the other guys dave dave is the gift that keeps on giving and now he's going after wolfie um, this, I don't know, have you had a chance to look at this at all? Uh, I'm vaguely aware of what was said. Okay, so, uh, let me, let me just run this by you. I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure what to think about this, because if what he's saying is true, like, he kind of has a point. But then the other point is, is why go out of your way to say something in public about this so like the the first thing that he mentions in this article by loudwire is how apparently you know dave is spouting off on how wolfgang is feeling slighted because during the shows when they were touring when eddie when, when eddie van halen was still alive and they were doing their thing i apparently wolfie was unhappy with the fact that david lee roth wasn't giving him enough attention on stage during the shows I'm not sure, first of all, if that matters, if that's not a huge deal or not. But the fact that he went out of his way to say something about about him now is, I think that's just poor taste, unnecessary. Do, before I get to the other ones, do you have a thought on this one? Like, this is really irrelevant non-news that he's making news out of, right? The other two stories are um, the same sort of sort of story on two separate incidences. Incidences, incidences. Um, there were some uh, age doesn't matter, but Dave goes out of his way to point out the fact that that there was some during a couple of different shows on the side stage. There was a couple of middle aged women that were on the side stage that Wolfie noticed. And went out of his way to have, in two different occasions, have these females that were side stage watching the show booted from the premises on two different occasions. Well, according to Dave, it turns out that these females that were side stage represented the accounting firm that pays the crew. And they had 82 paychecks while they were watching the show ready to give everybody they were ready to they were there to pay everybody and wolfie apparently didn't know that or whatever and had them booted on two different occasions so we've got dave's not paying enough attention to me and then we've got wolfie booting the accountants in two different shows um maybe that happened maybe it didn't dave has gone out of his way to make this public that it did happen but the bigger question begs, what's the point in airing this all out right now? Like, what is Dave hoping to accomplish is my biggest question to you. Yeah, and I think there were some uh, 
some pieces around the idea that these women uh, were supposed to be credentialed by the band and Eddie and Alex dropped the ball or didn't want them to be. I think it was implied in Dave's rant. So Wolfgang yep. might have been getting rid of them uh, in defense of his uncle and his dad, perhaps, you know, hey, dad and uncle don't want this. So I'll clean this up for them. Um, but taking a step back to your point, what's the what's the larger kind of reason behind this um, this kind of like uh i don't know uh, what's the word i'm looking for lashing out at, at wolfie seemingly without being provoked um airing of dirty laundry yeah i mean <laughs> yeah um at first when i saw this i thought it was kind of gross and i'll tell you why because i don't care whether wolfgang is from everything I see and read, and I think I have a pretty good read on people when I see him in interviews, he seems like a straight up guy, really well adjusted. He seems like a good man. I'm not going to, people call him a kid all the time. Like he's a teenager. The guy's in his thirties. He seems like a good person. Yep. So I'll say that, um, growing up in like really unusual circumstances, but there's a lot of people, uh, in the industry you know, um, who are maybe bitter because their own, this certainly doesn't apply to Roth, who was super successful, but there are people who maybe tried to make it in the industry and didn't, or had some marginal degree of success, or maybe just a flash in the pan level of success. And so there's some jealousy of Wolfie's perceived um, advantage that he has had over others given his last name. So you can take that and like, I'm not saying I, I endorse it, but I'm saying you can take that. I think that exists. I spent enough time reading Reddit pages and various, yes, I still go into forums online and read this stuff to actually hear, um, musicians who uh existed 30 years ago i'm not too happy about wolfie's success today um but i think from a larger sense about mr roth i think dave is having a difficult time kind of receding into the sunset you know, he's 68 years old now, I think. He famously announced his retirement. I think we covered it on a news segment a couple years ago uh, when he did shortly after Eddie Van Halen died, when he canceled his Vegas residency and retired. And I think Dave is one of these people that's been in the public spotlight for really since the since the mid-70s and on a national level, really since about like 1978. And like in a hyper famous level, probably since like 80. So this guy is like for decades been a public figure. And I think that there's um, probably like he's, I get a sense maybe, and this is just me playing armchair psychologist that he's maybe having a difficult time adjusting to a life without fame and attention and adulation and being relevant. And so you'll see him every couple of months, like Sammy's constantly in the news because Sammy's always hyping something. So he's always kind of like stoking the fire, talking about Eddie, talking about Dave, talking about like Sammy's always fanning the PR flames because he always has product to push. Dave isn't doing that so much. He just 
releases rando songs on Spotify with no follow up, nothing. This puts them out there. But I just don't know that he it feels like every couple of months he'll he'll lash out at Sam. This thing at Wolfie is shocking to me. Um, he'll just kind of say something and put himself, usually it's against Sam, but usually it's in response to Sam having provoked him. So I don't know. I just get a sense that maybe the guy just uh, can't let go of the stardom a little bit. The Wolfie thing surprises me because I don't think you're going to say something about someone's son in a derogatory manner. And the original title of the video was this fucking kid until he changed it to like this, whatever, this darn kid or whatever it was. But I just don't think, for one thing, it's like disrespectful to the memory of Ed. And supposedly, even though we know they weren't friends, they were partners for a long time. So it's kind of disrespectful to Alex. It's disrespectful to Ed. Hell, it's disrespectful to Valerie Bertinelli. I mean, these are people in your life. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't say shit, like, ever about one of your kids or... You know what I mean? People in your life. I just wouldn't talk shit like that. I just wouldn't because it's just inappropriate. You know what I mean? And to do it in a public forum, not to mention when he was with Van Halen, he was a teenager, man. I mean, the kid was like 15 years old. <laughs> so Fact. I think to some respect, you can't really like hold him accountable for his actions. Cause like, dude, you're in your late fifties at that time or 60 even. And this guy's like a teenage kid. You know, and it's like, I don't know, man, it's weird to pick on somebody so much younger than you. It's just weird. You know? Yeah. And, and on top of that, not only is he a teenager, but it, it's not any secret how um, wrinkled the relationship between the, the brothers and Roth had been over the decades. You know, I mean, that's not by the time he's playing with the band and he's probably seeing it, that it's never been a big giant secret that those guys have never been super best friends. Right. And so if, if there's a situation where there's some people side stage that aren't credentialed, you're, you're a teenager, you're going to, and you, you, you love your dad and your dad loves you and your uncle loves you just as much and you love him and you're going to you're going to go by your dad and your uncle and if your dad and your uncle didn't credential these people you're going to go by what they said and and if they're busy doing something else then you're going to follow their lead and if their lead your father who you worship for good reason who he worships you if he didn't credential these people then it's probably for a reason and so you're going to trust your dad and you're going to trust your uncle and you're going to get him the hell out of there and it doesn't matter who they wound up really being but to your point it feels like agree totally that it feels like dave would never rip off these kinds of comments had eddie still been alive it feels like he he now now that eddie's gone he feels like he can let her rip and there's no consequences for it right now i don't know you know i don't know what's going to happen with alex maybe alex has already talked to him about it maybe he just is going to ignore it i don't know but i really feel like he just wouldn't have the sack to say something like that like this fucking kid with Eddie being alive because to your point like the, the the famous story about um Eddie Van Halen jamming with Pantera and they still had his equipment so he showed up with fucking 
cut off jeans and bare feet in the fucking gun and pointed the gun at him and saying, I want my shit back. Like, there, Eddie Van Halen would do exactly what you said. He would show up to Dave's house and probably break his jaw. And and Dave knows that, and he knows nothing's going to happen now. And and on the Sammy point, with him constantly pushing shit, dude, at least he's... At least he's I respect it because he's still working and it's not like he's it's not like he's Vince Neal pushing shit that they did 30 years ago he's he's still working he's still making music they're still playing he's still running his bars and so when you're a business owner and you're still playing um it's I don't really have as much of a problem with him constantly pushing shit because he's still working like I gotta at least you know Roth is just to your point again not doing anything i really i don't know how much i don't know david lee roth from adam right i only know the person that i've seen on tv and read about on the internet but if i if i ever had any little modicum of respect for this guy it's it's gone now because you can't pile on a kid he's yes he's a kid i don't care if he's 30 he's still a kid and you can't pile on the kid like that, knowing full well that the dad, the, his dad, who would beat your ass for it, is not here to beat your ass. So now you feel like you can get away with it. That's bullshit, man. I, I don't want to. St- I didn't want to start this with this kind of a negative segment, but I just wanted to get your opinion on this to see if you felt as dirty about it as I do. I just wanted to throw this out you really quickly. If it's a conversation, fine, but I just wanted to throw this out here. This is it's music news because it's it's regarding a musician, okay? Taylor Swift. Do you know since she started dating Travis Kelsey, by the way, Travis Kelsey's a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, local guy by the way, Cleveland Heights. Do you know since she's been dating Travis Kelsey, how much additional revenue the NFL has gotten from that? There's an actual number. Have you seen it? Yes, you sent it to me. But I'm I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't remember it. It was big. It's three hundred and thirty-one million dollars in additional revenue from all kinds of different directions that the NFL has now gained as a result of Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey. your silence is golden by the way (laughs) yeah it doesn't require uh like a response i just wanted to throw that out there you know she's she's a very famous talented musician and her footprint in in is gigantic and she casts a very big shadow so um the nfl is benefiting for from her relationship with uh travis kelsey so um, we're going to go back. Well, hold on, you know, we stop, have... stop, stop. Oh, okay. I thought, oh, so I, all right, go ahead. Sorry. I, I just as just a side to that. Yeah. What is your favorite Taylor Swift song? Uh, I, I only know part of one song. Got a blank space, baby. And I'll write your name. That's the only part of any Taylor Swift song. I know 
is the is the is the chorus part of blank space i think is the name of the song i know she put a really big album out called 1989 i know during covid she put out kind of um like a different type of an album that i listened to and that one that she did during covid is really great by the way i don't know the name of it it's kind of a it's a little it's a little out of her groove so to speak she kind of went rogue on this album and it was a different type of a thing and i listened to that that's the only album i listened to of hers like front to back and it's really great she's a very amazingly talented person and i and i watched the the documentary about her on netflix uh and mad respect to her she's very hardworking, super talented writes all her own shit um what about you do you have one I literally, there's a point to this question. I mean, okay. you, gave, you gave way more of an answer than it really <laughs> required, but thank you for excessiveness, I guess. But um, I only know one Taylor Swift song, and I, I only know it because I think it was on, like, when my kids were young, it was on one of those, like, kids bop sets yeah. or something. It's It's called Shake It Off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. So I only know one Taylor Swift song and it had me thinking, I watched, we talk about Rick Beato sometimes on yep. this and Rick Beato had a, a 30 minute interview with, I think it was brought up during this interview. I hope, I hope it was because otherwise I'm referencing the wrong Beato vid, but um, he had an industry executive on that he interviewed a former guy who was like a talent scout for a record label during kind of like the t late 90s, early 2000s, right around the time rock and roll was kind of in the throat in, in its last, you know, kind of heyday run, you know. Um, and he, they got somehow on the topic of Taylor Swift briefly. And, and one of them remarked that Taylor Swift is the biggest cult act ever. And the reason being is because there's no denying how huge she is. She's gigantic. And it's like Godzilla-sized gigantic. Like we, we haven't seen this really since like Michael Jackson. I think there was like Beatlemania, Michael Jackson, and now Taylor Swift in terms of these large like cultural phenomena, right? Yeah, totally. So the idea of being the the largest cult act ever was the idea that is that she's gigantic in popularity but yet a large swath of people who aren't like head in their sand people like people that like are functioning in society uh -huh. don't know any of her music <laughs> none so it's like a different kind of thing than what we saw with like michael jackson or the beatles Elvis, whatever, when they were big and like ruling the pop universe, even non fans had a passing familiarity with their music. Yeah. But she's Godzilla sized huge. And there are large swaths of people and not people who are like ostriches, people yeah. who are functioning in society, people who use computers and the internet and have lives and jobs and responsibilities <laughs> and see movies and buy stuff like actual human beings who don't know any of her music. Wouldn't know a Taylor Swift song if it walked up and bit him in the ass. I saw Mike Portnoy on a video and Mike is a legit musicologist the guy is yeah. a fan of some he's not just a fan he is one of these 
like music swamis who like knows He's intimate a theorist. Yes. Yes, and he knows like the inside out of like Frank Zappa and like Weather Report and like like real good musicologist stuff. This guy understands, and he said, and and totally. Beyonce had just won another armful of Grammys and she's like won more Grammys than anyone who's ever like walked the face of the earth. And he was like, I've never heard a single Beyonce song, you know? <laughs> and this is Portnoy <laughs> who was like a musicologist. And I think yeah. it's weird because something's happened in the culture where things can get gigantic and not touch people. Like we've somehow become more fractured. It reminds me of like when mash ended you know, and like the finale of MASH was like the most watched television show like ever. Like the whole planet oh, yes. watched the finale of MASH. Oh, yeah. Like that could never happen today. Because even when things get as big as like Beyonce or Taylor Swift, there's a large segment of the population that doesn't have a fucking clue about it. Which is like, why is that? You know? That's a great question, man. Like only the dedicated Swifties would would know her catalog and only the bees only the beyonce the dedicated beyonce fans it, it's you're exactly right dude and that is wow what is the answer to that i have no fucking idea because they are celebrated globally like cult icons and yet nobody knows what they do and am, am are we just saying that because we're just a bunch of old gen x dudes or is and is Beato saying that because he's a boomer or maybe a borderline boomer? Or is that really the fact? That's a great question, man. It's, it, it's I never thought of it in that way, but it is so true. Uh, I, 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 I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> but I guess the point I'm making, though, is that it probably is generational. But in the past, even the generations that weren't in... Even the generations a few ahead of, say, Michael Jackson or Elvis couldn't escape the impact of it. Yeah. Does that make you see what I'm saying? Well, and you true. Would, you would think, like, my dad, who was completely stuck in the past and didn't know, knew fucking Michael Jackson and the red yeah. leather jacket and all that crap. You know what I mean? So I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, obviously we're a generation or two removed. But it's the fact that we can get through life and completely avoid it. Like, it doesn't come into my life at all. You know, it's like it has, I just, I see her on TV if I turn the football game on. I don't know any of her music. You know yeah. what I mean? I have no clue. And for all intents and purposes, and I'm not trying to like, I'm. this is no shade on her. For all intents and purposes, she puts on a great show, great artist, yada, yada, yada. Okay. All the disclaimers, right? It's not shade on her. It's, I think it's more a reflection of the times we live in, how in spite of the fact that we have instantaneous communication and we're more connected than ever in terms of information, we're also more separated from one another than ever. That's it's true. just a, it's a weird thing. It, it the availability of everything, everything. Music, let's just stick to that. Music has never been more available than it is now. You have the ability to suck in hours and hours, hundreds of thousands of hours of music is available to you. And yet everything is so, we are all so stovepiped to our own interests. And we, we have no, 
we have no connection to anything that is not in our stovepipe. And ironically, back in the day when it was just sound waves going over from antenna to antenna, it, it, to your point, your dad knew the Beatles. My mom didn't like the Beatles, but she knew she knew Beatles songs. She didn't like the Beatles, but she still knew their music. She knew Jimmy Hen. She hated Jimi Hendrix, but she could still recognize a Jimi Hendrix song if she heard it. She knew that, and it's not like that now. And it's just the irony of of how available everything is, but yet we're disconnected to it. That's a very good point, and it's very ironic that we're living in that type of a scenario now. I mean, crazy. For all intents and purposes, I mm -hmm. should encounter. I have two. Like my daughters are in the age demographic for fucking Taylor Swift. Huh? So how the hell have I, I've completely avoided her music? I it doesn't. <laughs> it, and they don't listen to Taylor Swift. I was going to ask you if they listen to them. To no, they're life. actually annoyed by their friends who are Swifties. <laughs> they have friends who, but I don't know. So I have my daughters play music. I don't, I've never heard of Taylor Swift. I only know the one song from Kids Bop. That's it. So. Just the shake it off one, right? That's it. Anyway, enough about that. Let's take a quick break. Um, when we get back, we're going to be talking, speaking of airing Dirty Laundry, David Lee Roth, we're going to be talking about the song Dirty Laundry by don henley so stick around we'll be right back looking for a good rock and roll book do you watch a ton of rock and roll documentaries like i do well that's why i started the rock talk studio podcast to be the place to go for previews reviews and recommendations of rock and roll books documentaries and movies every first tuesday of the month the rock talk studio gets you caught up on all the latest and points out where to go for the good stuff Give me 20 minutes and I'll get you caught up on the world of rock and roll books, docs, and movies from every possible angle and leave you with a no doubt decision on where to spend your time and money. Fan or just casual fan, or maybe you're on the fence and just looking for something new to check out. Either way, I got you covered. Recently on the show, I've talked about books and documentaries from everyone and everything from David Bowie, Randy Rhodes, and the Allman Brothers, to the Abbey Road Studios, Cheap Trick, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Little Richard, and more. Join me, Big Rick, every Tuesday of the month as I host the Rock Talk Studio podcast, the ultimate review of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Our Mind on Music is a podcast that covers all things music. We cover all genres, and we welcome all perspectives, from musicians, producers, and content creators, to music enthusiasts. We have discussions, interviews, opinions, and much, much more. We hope you'll join us every week, Our Mind on Music, on YouTube and all streaming platforms. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country western and blues in the year of our Lord, 1955. On this day, the birth of rock and roll gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity individualism and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll. 
with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of Mad Jack to witness their long past the sell-by date asses on stage, and with its chauvinism, misogyny, and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities, and with its aging, fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn, rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. Hey, all right. Hey, thanks for uh, sticking around with us. Thanks for listening. Um, shout out to everyone out there who's turn, tuning in, um, especially uh, our, our new good friend down in Guatemala. As soon as we get down there, bro, you're going to hook us up with those really colorful drinks with the umbrellas, I hope. So can't wait for that. Um, anyway, let's get into this. This is Dirty Laundry by Don Henley. This is uh, from uh, 1982, Scott. Um, again, that getting towards the middle 80s where there was some really great music. Um, this is off the album I Can't Stand Still, B-Sides. This song's a little bit longer, actually. Uh, just just over five and a half minutes, which is kind of longish for that time period. Uh, mostly, you know, things still needed to be radio-friendly, and, and the, the, the industry likes for that to be around three and a half minutes or so. So this is a little longer. The label is Asylum. Don Henley and Danny Kochmar wrote it and produced it, along with Greg Ladinil. Probably butchered that, but we're going to find out if this shit killed Brock, dude. So let her rip. Thank you, man. Don Henley. I'm going to tell you what, dude, just so you know, this episode might not ever see the light of day. That's okay. You know, Don Henley has a reputation online for any time a reaction video is done about an Eagle song. Bam. <clears throat> wiped off the face of YouTube. Don Henley's team of lawyers strikes again. Anytime anyone puts any Eagles music in a YouTube video on, even if it's like a guitar tutorial, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to play the opening lick to uh, hotel California. Bam, no way. Can't do it. Don Henley says no. His team of lawyers furiously at work in his mansion, scrubbing so YouTube of all Eagles content constantly. So the fact that we're going to Rico, we're going to put this on the internet. With his, and it'll get taken it, right back off in one minute <laughs> immediately. And it's not even going to say Eagles. We're going to put his fucking name on it. Did Don Henley kill rock and roll? <laughs> and it's going to be Rico. This entire exercise tonight, we might as well go back to our lame conversation about Taylor Swift because this episode, the world will never hear it. This will be our lost episode. Ah. <sighs> So I can't even sing the cool keyboard part with my don't, mouth. Don't don't do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. Don't you dare do it. Don't do it. I Did will you, not do it. Are you aware of this phenomenon that Don Henley yes. has? Yes. He has a team 
of lawyers that are just that sleep in the same bed as him, just ready to write those fucking cease and desists and ready to send them out. Just scrubbing YouTube all the time. <laughs> and oh, our podcast is on YouTube now, so it's gone. This episode, it's it'll be wiped. We are going to get a cease and desist, and it's going to be the only email that we ever receive from anyone. And it's going to be a cease and desist from Don Henley's representation to not even mention his fucking name in this podcast. The name of Don Henley and the song Dirty Laundry off of his album, I Can't Stand Still. We're not going to mention that. Spoiler alert, I love this song, but he hates our podcast because we're talking about him and we're talking about his intellectual property, Rico. This song, he'll have none of it. This is this is going to be eliminated from the interwebs immediately. Well, and and to to all of his 47 barristers ready to hammer us for making this podcast episode, we love this song. And we're not benefiting from talking about your song. Actually, Mr. Henley, you are benefiting from us talking about your song because we're going to encourage people who maybe haven't listened to this song to go out and listen to it because it's a really good song. You have just made the same argument that every YouTube content creator makes after they've had their Eagles reaction or Eagles guitar lesson or Eagles... <laughs> breakdown yanked from youtube they all do the video where they go on afterwards yep. and they say sorry guys got a copyright strike and a cease and desist from don henley's representation you can't even sneeze into the direction of the eagles on youtube without getting yanked off and then they say but don't you understand that we're actually keeping your music alive for a future gen he doesn't care doesn't care well, you know what? We're going to fucking do this anyways. And if it's only up for five minutes, then it's up for five minutes and that's it. So we're going to, we're going to talk flirty Mondry by <laughs> Ron Drenley. I like that. All right. Freddie laundry. Did it kill rock and roll? Ron friendly. What'd you say? Ron friendly. Ron, Ron friendly. Did you ever do a double talk when you were a kid where you would, uh, it was like a little bit like pig Latin. You would put an yeah. I and a B after every vowel. Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at it, but, uh, I've, I've heard it done and I've tried it a few times, but it's like you trying to read German. Um, yeah. it's, I'm just not good at it. Let's hear some. Well, your name would not be Rico. It would be Ribe Kaibo. Ribe Kaibo, Skybot, right? Wouldn't it be Skybot? Yes, 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 Skybot. Yeah. Yep. Nice. All right. Dibon Hyben Libe. <laughs> Diber Tybe Liben Dryby. I'm not going to try and repeat that. We'll let you. I, I'm still, I'm looking for the Rosetta Stone application on, the, on that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don That's Henley, we love you, even though you hate our guts. And uh, I don't know why. I love this song. Um, I can't get through the rest of the album. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I love this song. Blame. At any rate, did it kill rock and roll? How do we find out? Well, ladies and germs, we use the power of proprietary science. That's right. 
And it consists of five categories. They are gratuitous boomerism, excessive misogyny, wanton whiteness, malignant machismo, and culture vulturism. Ribe Kaibo, thy by Saibong, Ibiz, Dirty Laundry. The artist is Don Henley. The album, I Can't Stand Still. The category is gratuitous boomerism. Boy, I got a feeling this one could be a high score, but Rico, how do you score? <laughs> well, Scott, um, if we're talking about just the... See, here's the... And we're going to get into this as we go along, but um, Don Henley is like um, the Bitterman's Bitterman of rock and roll. Am I wrong about that, right? Wouldn't you say that? No, I think you're spot on. That's his reputation. I mean, why anybody would want that reputation in their in the act the third act of their life, I don't know, but it's one that he has unfortunately earned. Yeah, so um he's he's a gigantic boomer ass bitterman and this song I have it's a great song and I love the way it's written and I love it for a lot of reasons, but the 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 events that we'll get into that inspired this just reinforce just how much of a delusional bitterman he really is and so of course this is going to get a full 1.0 for me yeah mr don henley um born in let me scroll up here 1947 so he's firmly ensconced in the uh, boomer generation he's an early boomer um he's a texan and i would uh, absolutely score this a solid a one as well not just for his age and his demeanor demeanor and his reputation but uh, i think the eagles are a boomer band you know true so I'm going to score it a one as well. Although this is solo, this is not the Eagles, but you get it. The guy's known for being a frontman of the Eagles. Um, right. Let's move on. Category yeah. two, excessive misogyny. And Rico, I have the lyrics available. Oh, look, there's Taylor Swift on my screen in an ad right now. That's oh, crazy. Beauty. You never see her. Um, yeah, that never happens. Never happens. I have uh, <laughs> the lyrics available if you need to hear them. Uh, yeah, and I just want to quickly say that since we've been doing these CockCap live reads, our product has taken off. Like, we can't keep up with all the orders. So we're looking for other sponsors to jump into this spoken word segment. So if you want to sponsor us, we'll live read your product. Just email us and uh, we'll let it rip, dude. You can experience the success that we have experienced with the mountain of orders for our our new CockCap product. So... Just email us, rockandrollautopsy at gmail.com. We'll hook you up. Don't worry. Back to you, Scott. I make my living off the evening news. Just give me something, something I can use. People love it when you lose. They love dirty laundry. Well, I could have been an actor, but I wound up here. I just have to look good. I don't have to be clear. Come and whisper in my ear. Give us dirty laundry. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Kick them when they're up. 
Kick them when they're down. Kick them when they're up. Kick them all around. We got the bubble-headed beach blonde comes on at five. She'll tell you about the plane crash with a gleam in her eye. It's interesting when people die. Give us dirty laundry. Rico, do you need to hear any more? Nope. Uh, I'm singing the cool keyboard part in my head and not on the mic because Don Henley, Mr. Bitterman, the Clint Eastwood of rock and roll. Get off my lawn doesn't want us to talk about his song so um i'm listening to it in my brain it's a cool groove dude i like i really like the groove of this song um the only gosh excessive misogyny big red truck captain obvious stuff here the only thing in this song that could maybe be construed perhaps is the bubble-headed beach blonde um comment I believe specifically directed at somebody. I can't remember her name. Lund is what she went by. Uh, uh, an LA uh, news anchor, um, Christy Lund. Is that her first name? I don't know. Maybe you know. Anyway, I believe specifically directed at somebody. Um, and so, no, this definitely not going to get um, 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 any points for me on excessive misogyny, but. Um, Dude, we usually use this part of the autopsy to talk about maybe how the song was constructed and went be went what went behind it. In this particular case, goddamn, I feel like you could go into a deep wormhole on this. But uh, yeah, dude, like if you, it's it's really no big secret what inspired this song. Like you know, he feels like how how the news has sensationalized like negative things that have happened to people in particular celebrities like elvis's death was made such a big deal and natalie wood was specifically mentioned um john belushi specifically mentioned uh, on 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 uh, on his death but listen dude when you specifically john belushi he was a brilliant comedian who is in his brilliance still didn't feel like he got the quan that he deserved. And there's stories to back that up actually. And when you speedball, if you're a famous comedian who dies from speedballing, that's probably going to make the news and people are probably going to talk about it. Um, the problem we have here is these people seek fame and fortune and then only want the good things that come with the fame and fortune. Inevitably, it's life is yin and yang, dude. There's going to be bad that comes with the good. There's going to be people who love you, but there's also going to be people who want to hammer you. And that's just part of life. And unfortunately, these people are so used to getting their asses kissed that they can't handle any of the any of the non-ass kissing that happens. Um I don't want to steal your thunder. This gets a zero from me, but there's more to that story that people that I want to get into as we go about what I believe really caused him to write this song. And that was what happened to him and the 16 year old that OD'd at his party. But uh, that gets a zero from me, Scott. Yeah, I'm going to give it a zero for excessive misogyny as well. And I'll let you get into the uh, teenager stuff at a later point. Um, yep. Yeah, I think the lyrics are brilliant. I mean, even if True. obviously we can, I've always loved this song and really I love it because of the lyrics, the music yeah. I could take or leave. Um, and I feel like the lyrics have only become more applicable as this is 1982 and yep. 
I feel like these lyrics resonate more with with each passing year you know at the time he's talking about the five o'clock news and tabloids and by the mid 80s the five o'clock news on your local tv show would morph into 24-hour news on cable television the tabloids at your grocery store would morph into a current affair and inside edition and then eventually e entertainment network tabloid tv right and so it would just only get worse and then it would morph into the internet and And twitter and tmz and and all that shit yes and so it's really and the 24-hour news would only get more toxic as it became more about shareholders and less about the public good right and so this song like truly stands the test of time in terms of the messaging even if it was born out of and i think this is maybe what you're going to kind of outline at a later point even if it was born (laughs) out of him being self-centered and perhaps delusional about how victimized he felt by his own situation he he found himself in through his own actions but he gets upset about that and writes this song lashing out so even though it comes from a misguided place the message is so well delivered um and so poignant and still so cutting to this day. The lyrics are just brilliant in this track. It's It's got like a Roger Waters flavor to it, from the sarcasm yep. to kind of like how dour and bleak its outlook is. It's very, and it's funny, this is coming from a guy, you know, take it easy. Oh, careful, don't <laughs> sing that. Um, but yeah, this is coming right. from the Oh, Eagles. you you blew it, man. You, I know. You sang a little bit. Don't, Damn I'll, it. I'll cut it out in just post. cut that out. Yeah. But this is coming from like California country, right? That's what the yeah. Eagles are, right? Yeah. The Southern yeah. California country rock, like yep. the most upbeat music ever. And this song is just, it does have that Roger Waters vibe, which really biting so social cutting commentary and biting. Yes. And yes. very grim. You know, there's uh-huh. no sunshine in this at all. None of that beautiful California sun. So I'm giving it a zero. Yep. This true, category true. is wanton whiteness, dirty laundry, Don Henley. He who shall not be named Ron Friendly. <laughs> Ribon... Diber Tybee Liban Dryby. Why but Saibe Yaibu? I'm not sure what that was, but I'm still working on it. Be patient. Um, so where where are we at? Wanton white, wanton whiteness, right? You bet. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, California country. Uh, Don Henley, Eagles, all that stuff is super white. Um, I feel like uh, people who I mean, and get real quick to go back to your point. What very well said. This song is maybe more relevant today than it was when it was written and it was relevant then too it's as we've gone through the decades it is the song has never lost its relevancy and is and it's just as powerful of a message as it was back then um that that from a certain point of view could make it hard to give it a one for boomerism because the song is so fucking relevant um but it's don henley and he's bitter so science um 
But anyways, Wanton Whiteness, yeah, man. I mean, the style of music uh, for this particular song, I'm going to surprise you a little bit because the the uh, um, even though the message is, is such as we've already discussed, which normally I would give this a full one, but the musical part of this is so cool and it's got such a cool fucking groove that is kind of outside of the type of music that he's typically known for i'm gonna back this down for and make it a 0.5 actually to be honest with you because i love the fucking groove of that song which which erases half of that 1.0 for me yeah i'm gonna give it a 0.5 i mean it's I, I I'm and I'm kind of only going to steal your logic really is that it's uh you know it's it's a killer track it was number one in the U.S. it was a big smash yep. hit yep. I've always had this like theory about Don Henley that like I mean his music for me growing up and I'm sure it was for you too when you think of like the dominance of kind of like FM radio in a large portion of our life pre-internet don henley's voice was like made for fm radio like is there any i think him and like paul rogers like those guys are like when i hear their voices it it makes me think of fm radio i think like you could have him sing the phone book and it would be a hit you know (laughs) i mean it's like his voice is just made for the medium and all those eagle songs just work on fm radio as sick as i am of all of them i don't ever want to hear any of them ever again ever but i know i it's undeniable how just true perfect his voice is um but i'm going to give it a 0.5 as well having said that it's also perfect for fm classic rock radio of a certain (laughs) era which is inherently as white as all get out you know what i mean so (laughs) Um, so, I mean, outside of Jimi Hendrix and, you know, Thin Lizzy, there's absolutely no African-American presence whatsoever on classic rock radio. So I am going to give this a 0.5. True. Rico, malignant machismo, Don Henley, dirty laundry. What say you? Oh my God. This is a no brainer, dude. Like this is like, uh, this is like full on hetfield stance of bitterness if that makes sense this is a this is a full 1.0 like this dude is bitter and 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 bitter scott like the fact just there's so many reasons man um uh the the way that we've already talked about this the way that he just goes out of his way to hammer people for talking about his music that alone is a is God. If I could give him a one hundred for a malignant machismo, I would because this he it can't be very comfortable for him being as fucking angry as he is all the time. Like he can't be a happy dude. Well, I, I can't imagine it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I do kind of think that too. It's like, and we're assuming maybe I don't know. We're assuming he's angry, but I know he you know, kind of was in put in the position of being a representative for artists. I think he, uh, let me scroll through the wiki real quick here. Solo career lawsuits and Geffen records. Yeah. So 
Henley eventually became an outspoken advocate for musicians' rights, taking a stand against music labels who he believes refused to pay bands their due royalties. So Henry, he engaged in a long battle with uh, Geffen Records and kind of became like a representative of sorts. And so, you know, on behalf of artists, so he might be one of these guys that's just kind of like taking it a little too far or too... And maybe hasn't necessarily even the record labels had to ultimately adapt to the internet. You know what I mean? It's like you can't deny fucking YouTube, but he seems to yep. be bent on trying. But so maybe he just takes the responsibility that and this role that he's played as an advocate for musicians' rights. Maybe he's just taken it potentially a little too far. Um, but it does give me the impression, though, to your point, that he's just unhappy because. If you can imagine someone in the third act of their life literally railing against like the internet, like like it's possible. There's a lot of things about the internet that I don't like, but I don't pretend that I can change them. I have to learn to exist yep. with it. You know what I mean? And also the good oftentimes outweighs the bad. It's like you said, there's good and there's bad to things, you know? So it's just a weird position. So I do kind of feel like uh, he does give me the impression of just generally an angry dude. Is this an angry song? I think it's a little more smart assy um, than angry. So I'm just going to give it kind of a soft 0.5. All right. Well, uh, real quick, we we alluded to. Wait a minute. Time out. Was that I was talking about wanton whiteness, right? Or did we move on uh, to malignant machismo? No, malignant machismo. Okay, and what was your score for that? I gave it a 1.0. Okay, and I'm sorry. I completely spaced out of my own commentary. I Because I was giving it a hard 0.5 for wanton whiteness, but I'm going to give it a yeah. soft 0.5 for malignant. Okay, achievement. fair enough. Fair I want to get the relative stiffness of my take correct, Rico. Good job. And, and, and you have done so, so well done, sir. Thank you. Um, real, real quick, we've alluded to the 16-year-old story. What happened was in 1980, when the, the Eagles were, quote unquote, this was their first breakup, uh, the first of many, like a lot of bands. They were having a party at their house, and uh, to make a long story short, Don, because they had some, you know, Don Henley says, because we had some crew there, I called a madam and had her send some hookers over, and one of the hookers happened to be a 16-year-old who OD'd on coke, and um, so he wound up, you know, it, according to his story, he wound up taking the hit for it. She was okay. She didn't die. He said she, by the time the ambulance got there, she was fine. That's his story anyways. But the point is, is he got hammered for this um, and, and rightfully so. And so ultimately, that's the event that really inspired him to write this song because of how he got hammered in the news for throwing a party and ordering some hookers one of which was 16 and wound up ODing on coke so that's what we alluded to that's the story it's all over the internet go look for yourself i'm not making it up so anyway go ahead another uh rock and roll story with uh oh yeah and and he wound up getting let off the hook on like a twenty five hundred dollar fine and got probation so yet another example of rock stars who do really bad things and get away with it nice Haven't all right done that in a long time good pull dude good pull that felt appropriate all right our final category dirty laundry don yeah. henley um 
listen, I don't even know why we're going to bother because no one's ever going to get to this category because it will have been scrubbed from the internet (laughs) long before we ever get here. But we'll go through just because we're completed. Go through the motions, right? We're professionals and we have to do this. We'll get an official score on the record, even if it ends up in the dark web at some point. All right, Rico. Culture vulturism. Dirty laundry. What say you? God, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I list it, this, this song and I mean, that really nobody had really addressed the topic of tabloidism and sensationalism in the news quite in the way that he did. Um, that was really kind of a new thing. Um, and, and so he's really not stealing anybody else's thunder from that perspective and as far as musically is concerned he this is sounds like nothing that he ever did in the past in my opinion so he's not even vulturing himself this is this this song is totally unique um by the way i agree with you the rest of the album is really fucking stale no offense mr friendly but the rest of the the rest of that album is really stale this is the best song on the album by a hundred years actually um but yeah i mean this song sounds honestly this song doesn't even sound like anything else on the album would you agree yeah totally man i mean yeah song- it's a totally unique song the yeah. the lyrics are unique the messages you everything is really 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 unique about this song so i gotta give it a zero dude yeah i i i right with you man i give it a zero as well it's it the song sticks out like a sore thumb on the record because for one thing it's like to your point by leaps and bounds the best song on the record God. it's it's kind of you know it's funny in listening to the record i listened to it today at work and yeah. uh I'm and i'm sorry. worried about it fucking up my spotify algorithm i don't want spotify <laughs> that's the bad part about doing this podcast but um but yeah uh it's just a really like i'm listening to it and i'm thinking man like is he into this music like, i actually liked some of the ballads on it better like the music that's like the the quote-unquote rockers on this record are really like tepid it's like yeah they're bad dude <laughs> it's like they're is bad he, they're ugh, they're so the, vanilla and stale and cardboardy and there's just no life to them at all yeah i'm like does he really think he's rocking out right now i mean i don't it's kind of like when you make food reference it's kind of like when you make mashed potatoes and don't put any salt and pepper in the mashed potatoes you know how it makes it taste really bland and nothing to it at all and it's just like that's that's the rest of the album it's like mashed potatoes without salt and pepper it's really bad all right man yeah i'm scoring it a zero as well listen man um we're going to have to add this mug up, but I do really like the track. And anytime I ever catch it, I jam out to it. And every time I marvel at the relevancy of the yeah. lyricism, 40, literally 40 years later, it's pretty amazing that a song can grow in relevance over time, especially from an artist as seemingly irrelevant and out of <laughs> step with the times as Don Henley, a man who's devoted his life to being out of step with the times. What do you think the chances are that he's just too old to care and this episode actually falls through the cracks and actually stays out there in the universe for a while? 
I don't know, man. I I don't even think it's him. I think it's his team of lawyers that he's got working <laughs> around the clock. They're in a room in his mansion. He slides food under the door on a tray through to them so that they can eat and sustain themselves so they can stay awake all hours of the day scouring the internet. They probably have our Zoom feed tapped right now and already know that we're doing this. That's probably true. They'll probably be you ever see those clips where people like jump on other people's Zooms and like yes. crash the party. It'll be somebody yeah. is going to issue us like a, you know, <laughs> we're going to get served right here in the middle of the <laughs> Zoom call. <laughs> Before we even add the scores up, they're going to slap us with a fucking letter right across the screen. I mean, isn't it like the hardest? Th it's like the toughest part about getting older to me is not really like staying relevant, but like just trying to come to a place of like acceptance and not being bitter. You know, you have to reconcile yeah. with some shit because no matter how great your life is, there's going to be some stuff that didn't happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, that's true, man. Like the hardest thing about getting old is remembering to be flexible. And the older that you get, the more you have to pay attention to being flexible and not being so rigid. And it's really fucking hard sometimes. It I totally really agree is. with you. It really is. I think I heard Morgan Freeman say that like the key to like aging gracefully is just, I think it's Morgan Freeman. I hope it is, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> I think I heard him say in an interview where it's just, you just cannot allow yourself to become bitter, you know, because yeah. everybody's life is going to have some disappointments along the way and you can't let True. those things eat at you. What could be uglier than being bitter as an older person? Yep. You know, those things that are That's sexy, true. like if you're angry and young, you're sexy. But if you're angry and old, everyone hates you. <laughs> you're a pariah and nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> right, right. So lesson to anybody over the age of what, 40 or 40, 45, right? Once you hit 40, start focusing on being flexible. Don't be bitter. We're not on, to use your words, we're going to be, we're visiting this mortal coil only for a very short amount of time. And if you spend the the second half, if you spend, spend side B of your album being bitter, then you're <laughs> going to miss out a lot of stuff. And, and so just be aware of that and be nice and be positive and be flexible because you're going to feel a lot better for it. Amazing. Rico, I got to tell you, man, we, we got to wrap it. It's running out of time. But, you know, some nights, some nights I don't really have the words and I just sit here and I watch you in amazement as you kind of like lift me up to help me get through the podcast. <laughs> so good on you and thank you, sir. All right, let's tally this Anytime. sucker up. I've got oh, Dirty Laundry, Don Henley. I've got two points. Two points. Mm. I've got, let's see, 85, three times two i've got 2.5 for a grand total of 4.5 makes sense it's a great the song is so good that it overcomes the bitterman who wrote it and puts it right slap in the middle and it just makes total sense the science works again of course of course it does it transcends the bitterness. I think 
and it, it, it's an amazing song. It's probably my favorite Don Henley mm. slash Eagle song. And I was okay. worried going into this because I wondered if it was just going to be us hammering him for his bitterness and and getting and kind of losing sight of the fact that it's a really brilliant piece of music. But I think we did a good job of both giving the song the recognition it deserves and also smacking Don Henley around because it's needed. And his gigantic team of lawyers who are listening to us right now. If any of those fucking ambulance chasers show up at my job and try to serve me with some papers because of this podcast, I will happily accept it and I will be forced out of the building a handcuff shouting all the way out the door. Listen to rock and roll autopsy. <laughs> and and promptly remove this episode from all forms of listenable media. <laughs> because I don't want to get slapped with a gigantic lawsuit and neither do you. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, God. we did, see what listen, we're reduced to. I know, right? It's like we had 16 year olds in our homes ODing on Coke. <laughs> Wasn't us. <laughs> right. Like, silly me for trying to get people to listen to your fucking song. Uh, I'll go order up some teenage hookers. Maybe that'll, that'll, maybe that'll <laughs> get me farther in life. <laughs> I mean, it's got to end right there. That's like, you got to, you got to. <laughs> Nothing more to say after that line. All right, gang. Thanks for listening to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We sincerely appreciate it every week. Good night now. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah! Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. You guys, it was like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. To the door, love it to the morning. I'm gone. I'm gone. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Before you go, if you like heavy metal and stories, then you'll love Battle of the Bands, the narrative form metal podcast that unpacks the biggest rivalries in rock and metal history. Season 1 took in Megadeth versus Metallica, and Season 2 went across the divide to explore the beef between Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. It's like Business Wars, but metal. Find Battle of the Bands wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit Battle of the Bands pod dot com.